From a studio high above the clouds of the Okanagan Valley, this is the Cannabis Podcast. Exploring the world of Canadian cannabis culture, one toke at a time. Now, here's your host and bud tender, Gary Johnston. And that is how we get through our day, right? One toke at a time? Welcome back. Thank you for coming back to Episode 7 of the Cannabis Podcast. If you are coming by for the first time, thanks for taking a peek. Or a listen, perhaps. We are a podcast that is all about a Canadian's cannabis culture. Lowercase c, by the way. I'm glad you're here. And I am, I have to be honest, I am really giddy today. And it may come across, there may be a little too much exuberance, a little too much energy for a couple of reasons. The first and foremost primary reason is there is finally a retail store in the Okanagan. It opened up on Indigenous land this morning at 7 a.m. It's called Indigenous Bloom, and it's just outside of Kelowna, between Kelowna and Lake Country. And lo and behold, now I first heard about this from our good friends at OkanaganZ.com with their newsletter and their posts on Twitter and Facebook. So thank you, Okanagan Z, for keeping us informed once more. And in fact, I ran into David Wiley when I was out at Indigenous Bloom this morning. (laughs) Fabulous. Really a nice location. Nice store, clean, as most of the stores seem to be from the pictures I've seen so far. And a good display, so a number then about three or four sativas and a number of hybrids and a number of indicas, all in glass containers with, of course, the removable sealers so you can take a, a whiff of that bud. And as soon as I smelled that Maui Wowie this morning, I thought, okay, I'm going to pick up one of those. I picked up a little Rockstar as well, because that's always been one of my favorite Indicas, or one of my favorite hybrids, I suppose. So there you go. That's why I'm so giddy today, because we finally have a store in the Okanagan. We'll talk a little bit more about what happened with the retail as well. And here's what else we got coming up on the show today. We are going to do another Strain Explain. In fact, we're going to do it on that Maui Wowie that I just spoke about. And that may also be one of the reasons why I have so much energy at this particular moment, as you'll find out when we get into the Strain Explain. We're also actually going to dive into the terpenes a little bit. I was doing some research, of course, as we always do. We're always peeking around the net, seeing what we can find. I popped onto a place called, or a site called CannabisNow.com, and they had a really good detailed description and discussion of terpenes. So I'm going to pull a little bit of that information and share it with you, dive in a little deeper into terpenes. Also, I wanted to give a big welcome to a whole group of people that until last week's episode... I have to admit, I was unaware of. I was a neophyte. I was a Reddit neophyte. That has all been corrected now. My son, who again, any regular listener to the podcast, knows my son Ian. He's been involved with me since episode one. And he helped out last week by putting a post up on Reddit. In the Reddit subreddit group, Canadians, which I was just amazed when I found Here's the description of the Canadians uh, group on Reddit. You'll love this. And they already love this, so they'll love hearing about it. A group of Canadian smokers, tokers, vapors, dabbers, extractors, bakers, chefs, medical patients, and duchy passers who believe that cannabis makes their life healthier and happier. Now, that's a pretty good description of a pretty darn good group. I'm really thankful for the welcome reception that my son's post and myself, the Cannabis Podcast, got in that Reddit group. 
Thank you for all that. And in fact, we saw our number of podcast downloads double over the course of 24 hours after that post went out. So thank you all for that. We'll continue to mention that. And I also wanted to give a few shout outs to some of the cities that we have seen participate as we have been doing this, as I say, episode number seven of the podcast. And I was truly hoping it would be an audience that represents all across Canada. And as I was keeping an eye on where people were popping into the website and taking a listen, it truly is. So hi to Winnipeg. We spent a few years in Winnipeg, really enjoyed our time there. Nice to see folks from Winnipeg are popping by. Thunder Bay, that's another place where we lived, only for a short period of time. I think we were there a year. But nice to see people from Thunder Bay popping by and having a listen to the podcast. And then way on the other side of the country, in Truro, Nova Scotia, a big shout out to all the people in Truro. And we'll drop in those names of the cities periodically throughout the episode just to say hi and to keep in touch. Those are some of the things that are coming up on this episode number seven of the Cannabis Podcast. THC, CBD, let's talk about the chemistry, explain that strain. I can't explain why I'm so giddy today. Well, actually, I guess I can, because I'm about to do another strain explain. This time we're going to do Maui Waui. And the real thrill for me is you've already heard in this episode, I bought it in the Okanagan. There is a store here. It's on indigenous land. It's called Indigenous Bloom as I've already explained, and that's where this strain is from, Maui Waui. Legendary name. We've all heard the name before. Let's talk about what this particular strain is, and I think I just heard the vaporizer get up to tone or to speed. Here it is. Thank you very much. So this strain, Maui Waui, it's complex and unique flavor profile, and boy, does it ever smell good. There's citrus pine aroma with smooth, fruity herbal taste, and the smell is just, mm, it is very, very unique. I also have to say it looks really good. It's its not too dry, not too wet as well. Oh, oh when you get a whiff of the Maui Wow, you're just going to be amazed. Well-trimmed buds, good-sized buds as well, lots of red filaments in it, and truly wonderful flavor and taste, smell. Actually, let's figure out what that flavor is. Mmm. The flavor profile, complex, unique citrus pine aroma with a smooth, fruity herbal taste. I love it when the strain lives up to the documentation, and it clearly does. Now, at another part of this episode, we're going to dive a little deeper into terpenes and perhaps a bit better explanation of what some of the terpenes are. But let me give you the terpene profile from Maui Waui while we're here. Because here we are, and it's starting to have an effect. Here are the Maui Waui terpenes in relative strength. We've got pinene, which gives us that citrus pine flavor. And as we'll discover in our discussion on terpenes later, the pinene is where a lot of the energy aspects of the sativas come from. We have myrcene at 15%. The pinene was 36%, by the way. So that is definitely the most terpene in this particular strain. Myrcene's at 15%, caryophylline, which we've seen before, is at 14%, and then is rounded out with a little bit of limoline and terpenoline, and there's about 6% of each of those terpenes in it. And as mentioned, the pinene is what gives us the energy when we smoke this particular sativa. And energy on this particular Friday is when I'm recording this show this week, and what a start to the day. (laughs) 
As you've already heard, I'm just giddy over the fact that we can now buy cannabis here in the Okanagan at at least one store. More coming soon, we hope. But I have to say, there's that happy feeling in the eyes once more. I like Maui Wowie. I think you might too. Maui Wowie, our strain explained for today. Again, it is complex and unique flavor profile. And while I let that continue to work in my brain, that is our strain explain of Maui Wowie. And that was the other thing that I meant to mention in the intro that I would have mentioned in the intro if I wasn't stoned and forgot to mention in the intro. And that is the price of cannabis, legal cannabis, compared to pre-legalization cannabis. Stats Canada put out a report this week that indicates that we're paying about 17.4% higher than the pre-legalization price for cannabis. Now, interestingly enough, they had 457 price quotes they collected between October 17th and December 31st from sources that they deemed plausible following statistical testing. And it came out that the prior to legalization, the unweighted average price per gram of cannabis was about $6.83 in 2018. That was based on 19,442 submissions by Canadians to StatsCan. Now, post-legalization, it's unfortunately a little different. The application received 385 plausible submissions from Canadians, and the average price turned out to be $8.02 per gram. That's 17.4% higher than the pre-legalization price. This is the part of the study that I found really interesting. A breakdown of those price quotes show that roughly half of the individuals purchased cannabis from a legal supplier. From October 17th to December 31st, the average price paid for dried cannabis from legal suppliers, $9.70. And that was higher than the price paid for dried cannabis purchased from illegal suppliers, suppliers, <laughs> my mouth will start working soon, $6.51. Here's some other interesting facts about that. The data indicated that males are more likely to purchase cannabis from a legal supplier than females, with 49.8% of males purchasing from legal producers, compared with 41.6% of females. Males were also found to purchase in larger quantities from both legal and illegal sources. I found that a really interesting part of the study. So the average quantity purchased from legal suppliers was 8.3 grams. Respondents to StatsCan indicated they purchased an average of 4.7 grams when buying at a retail outlet and an average of 9.1 grams when purchasing by a mail delivery. Now, the average quantity purchased from illegal suppliers was 17.2 grams, more than double the amount of cannabis purchased through legal methods. Interesting study from Stats Canada, keeping an eye on the prices of legalized pot. So if I look at what I picked up today, uh, it was about $8 a gram. So pretty accurate in terms of what Stats Canada is saying is the average price for retail. What's your opinion on that? Are you buying from legal sources or are you still buying from illegal sources? Not that I'm saying that there are illegal sources out there. No, I would never say such a thing. But of course, they are finding that the black market, as it existed prior to legalization, because they're having all of these problems with supply and demand and everything else, quality, <laughs> all of that, there is still a fairly healthy black market out there, as I understand. And there's still a number of people who are picking up their pot from that particular source. So there's StatsCan, keeping an eye on prices for us, and we will keep an eye on that and see if anything changes over the course of the while. And, well, it'd be nice to see the prices come down. But I guess the whole point is, as long as we can get access to it, I'm prepared to pay a reasonable price for good quality cannabis. And let's look a little more at that good quality cannabis. 
One of the things I mentioned last week, and I mentioned a couple of times, is when we get those THC values listed on the packaging, where the first value is relatively small, like uh, 0.06%, and the second value is no in the 20, the 15 to 20% value. Lots of speculation out there, and threw it out, in fact, to the Reddit users group, and this is where this information that I'm going to share with you has come from. And I think this is probably along the lines of what most people are, are believing these numbers are for. Basically, what they're saying is that the first value, so let's say it's 0.5% THC. That's literally the milligrams of THC in the raw bud as it exists. The higher value, which can range from 15 to 22% in some THC values, that's the amount of THC that is going to be released when it is either heated, vaped, or ingested. That's what the total THC value is referring to. And when you think about it, that kind of makes sense. So that's what I'm going to go with. I'm going to take those values to mean that. The, the first value is literally the amount of THC in the raw bud. And the second value is the decarboxylated value of the cannabis once it has been extracted through whatever heat source, whether that's smoking it, vaping it, or through an edible. And the other thing I wanted to talk about today in relation to our quality cannabis was, I mentioned off the top, we're going to deal a little deeper into terpenes, and specifically the terpene of myrcene. I mentioned that I found this site called CannabisNow.com. They got a great load of information on that site. And one of the articles that I found that I thought was really interesting by Kay Astro and is understanding terpenes, and they're dealing specifically with myrcene. As we understand, or as I understand, the terpenes are what are giving our cannabis the flavor the taste, and in many cases, the psychoactive effects are dependent on the particular myrcenes in that strain, or the particular terpenes in that strain, sorry, as evidenced by myrcene. Here's where the article starts out. People love to eat mangoes, but they might think that they enjoy the sweet tropical fruit just for its inimitable flavor and unmasked juiciness, but they might not be aware there's something that might be making them feel good after eating it. It's a potent terpene called myrcene. It's also found naturally in different herbs and plants like basil, lemongrass, eucalyptus, bay leaves, thyme, and even hops, the primary herb that gives beer its distinct flavor profile. Myrcene is known for its ability to calm and relax both the body and the mind. It has a signature spicy, earthy, musky scent, and you'll notice that in a lot of strains that have myrcene in them. And that sometimes smells similar to cloves with a mildly sweet flavor profile that can vary from strain to strain. As I look further into Kay Astro's article, according to Steep Hill Labs, consuming cannabis that possesses myrcene levels above 0.5% often results in what's been affectionately referred to as couch lock, or we also refer to it as indicouch, the very deep state of relaxation where you're unmotivated to do much more than chill out on the couch and take a nap. Couch lock is usually considered a common effect of indica-dominant strains, as I mentioned. They're the indicouch. Whereas sativa-dominant strains, of course, normally contain less than 0.5% myrcene and are known more for their uplifting, energizing effects, like the Maui Waui we looked at today, which had some high pinene terpenes, which are the energetic effect terpenes. A Swiss study has showed that myrcene is the terpene that expresses itself most abundantly in cannabis, as we already know. It can make up almost 50% of the total value of terpenes in a cannabis plant, which is more than any other plant or herb. Now, that's good news considering that another study published in the British Journal of Pharmacology 
showed that myrcene is such a powerful terpene that it often has a similarly powerful effect as a cannabinoid and has enhanced effects when combined with THC and CBD. It is one of the 10 primary terpenes found in cannabis. Myrcene is the most common, and I think we've seen that in pretty well every strain explained we've done. Myrcene has been a dominant terpene. It's been shown to have great healing potential as a powerful antibiotic and an effective analgesic and muscle relaxant. Myrcene is also essential in the formation of other terpenes that are also found in cannabis, such as geraniol and linalool. Where do they come up with the names of these terpenes? I tell you, some of them are so bizarre. Indica-dominant strains like Pure Kush, which is a super potent indica strain that will whisk away body pain and lull you into sleep. Or perhaps Grape Ape, an indica strain that can reduce stress and depression, often have higher levels of myrcene. And we've seen that with some of the, in fact, the indica that we examined last week. It had higher levels of myrcene. But the terpene can also be found in other hybrid strains like Mango Kush, OG Kush, and in fact, there is myrcene in the Maui Waui, which we use today. So myrcene is literally in all kinds of cannabis. And we thank Cannabis Now for sharing that information about the terpene myrcene. And we'll take a peek at some of those other terpenes as well. And speaking of terpenes, I mentioned in a previous episode, I think, that I have some information from the Tricome Institute. They are out of Colorado, which of course has had legal pot for a while now. And this Tricome Institute are doing some great things in terms of education they're trying to educate us so that we can be like a sommelier with wine, but take the same approach and become an interpreter with cannabis. So I actually have the Tricome Institute's interpreting guidebook and their interpreting loop. Very cool information and gives you lots of details about the various terpenes in cannabis, like D-limonene, myrcene, linalool, as we've talked about, nerolidol, no, nerolidol, and apinine and caryophylline. Now, in what we did today with the Maui Waui, there was, I believe, caryophylline and pinene in that, pinene being the energetic terpene. I'm also hoping to have somebody from the Tricome Institute come by for a little visit. Had a brief discussion with them before Christmas. They're very busy. They're getting ready to launch some new things on their site in relation to the Tricome Institute and their educational program. But I'm hoping someone will be along in the next week or two, or perhaps month or two, and will have some time to spend with us on the Cannabis Podcast. I'm, I think you'll find it really interesting. And if you want to check it out for yourself, head to the trichomeinstitute.com and you can get all the details and you can pick up your own interpreting loop guide. It's pretty cool when you get your strains and kind of compare it to it. And I think actually that's what we'll do next time we do a strain explain. We're going to take out the interpreting loop and we'll walk our way through that and see if we come to the same results as the chirping profiles that we're coming to. One of the other interesting stories that came out this week is what's happening in Ontario with retail outlets. And you've heard me lament how often we have problems here in BC in relation to retail outlets. But I guess it's actually worse in Ontario, where, of course, there is only the online sales right now. They had their lottery, and now they're coming up with their first 25 stores, apparently. And cbc.ca is my source for this story. And they're reporting that some small towns in Ontario are simply opting out of the retail pot because they haven't got it figured out yet. <laughs> wow. 
Amazing how this has gone. So some of Ontario's smaller communities say they're taking a wait-and-see approach to private retail pot. Some are choosing to opt out early because they say federal and provincial cannabis policies are still half-baked. I love terminology in stories like this. Ontario's pot regulations state that until the province grants more than 25 retail permits, a private retail pot store can't be located in a municipality smaller than 50,000 people amid a nationwide shortage of cannabis products. Who could ever have predicted this? Communities that wish to opt out of private retail pot have a one-time opportunity to do so before January 22nd. Now, after that, municipalities that opted out can change their mind at any time, but once they're in, they can no longer opt out, and I think that's what's creating all the problem. The CBC article is quoting Ted Comiskey, who is the mayor of Ingersoll, a town of about 13,000 people, 20 minutes east of London. He said Tuesday that his community chose to opt out because federal and provincial cannabis laws are so half-baked, council decided it would be most pragmatic to wait until the brownies are done. There's so many things up in the air, he said. Where pot stores can be and where they can't be, whether you can start a business out of your own home, how close they can be to a school. Council had so many questions, he said, so that we thought was that right now, until they get everything smoothed out, there was no real pressure on us to have to do it. Comiskey adds that his community's proximity to the larger centres of Woodstock and London means that if anyone really wants cannabis, they could always drive 20 minutes to the nearest store in one of those, communicate, in one of those communities. Even then, he said, it really isn't in, on the public's mind in that town, unlike our town, or at least unlike my block and my house. <laughs> We've had no one coming to town hall saying, look, we really want you guys to do this, he said. Maybe that's taboo still. Maybe down the road when it becomes such a norm, then maybe it would be easier for the town to say yes. I guess. Similar logic went into a decision to opt out of retail pot by the township of Blanford Blenheim, a mostly rural community, about 7,000, which is sandwiched between Woodstock and Kitchener. They thought by opting out, it would allow the larger municipalities to establish proper procedures and policies to go with it. It looks like these growing pains are just going to carry on in Ontario. Who knows what's going to happen in that particular retail market? Good luck with trying to solve that one, folks. (laughs) As I was going over various ideas for things to put into the episodes, one thing came to mind last week, and that is some memories that take you back to instances that occurred back in the pre-legalization days, when we had to go through so many gesticulations and hiding and diving away from people just because we didn't want them to know we smoked cannabis. One of my all-time favorites on that was back in the day. I said hello to the folks in Winnipeg earlier today. Let me say hello to a couple of other cities before I give you that story. Edmonton, we had some folks in Edmonton drop by, as in Calgary, and of course, St. John's. Thank you, Ian. We can always count on Ian Power. He's the guy who bought the first legal cannabis in Canada. He was our first guest on the Cannabis Podcast, and he's a regular listener and a good friend. So thank you, Ian. Hello to you. Hope your day is going fine. So back to the story that I was going to relate to you. This is a time back when we were living in Winnipeg, both my wife and I. This is way before we had kids. And I, of course, was an imbiber of cannabis back then when it was illegal cannabis. There's actually two aspects to this. I'm going to tell you two things about my experiences in Winnipeg. I'll leave the second story until the latter part. The first one I'm going to tell you now is how I got my cannabis in Winnipeg. I used to do remotes 
Uh, and a remote broadcast in radio is when an announcer is sitting at a car dealership and urging you to come down and buy that car and buy that car. <laughs> I, for a period of six months, every Saturday, went to this one particular dealership in Winnipeg, who shall remain unnamed. And over the course of the time at that dealership, I ran into a guy who happened to be one of the <clears throat> biggest dealers in Winnipeg at the time. <laughs> I didn't know it when I met him, but as it turned out, he was a good source for me to know. And he turned me on to a guy who became my constant source of cannabis when I was in Winnipeg, good quality cannabis. And I had to say this was the easiest I ever had it. Even easier now than when I can drive out to a store and buy some legally. I would call him up. I do not remember his name. It was a long, long time ago. I would call him up and I would say a number, usually one or two, and, and then he'd, another value after it. So one or two in 15. And that meant I wanted one or two ounces, preferably in 15 minutes. The place I worked at at that time was a radio station in the Free Press Building in Winnipeg. So what would happen in that if it was 15 minutes, I would walk out the front door of the Free Press Building. 15 minutes later, he would be coming down Carlton Street. <laughs> He'd stop. I'd get in the car. We'd drive around the block, do our business. He'd drop me off in front of the Free Press Building. And three minutes later, I had my cannabis and he was off. Worked perfectly. Didn't bother anybody. And then the final story that I want to relate to you today is back again when we were in Winnipeg. This was a time when my in-laws were coming to visit. Now, my in-laws might have suspected, I think the entire family suspected my cannabis use, but it was never anything that was admitted openly. They were coming to visit us, but they were not supposed to be here for another day. I was at home by myself. My wife was, I think, working late. And I had just purchased, I, I very rarely bought bulk. I usually just bought, you know, a half an ounce or an ounce or something. But on this particular case, I got a real deal on, I think, a quarter pound. And I had this spread out over the table in my living room as I was portioning it up. <laughs> and the front door had a knock on it. I went to the front door and guess who? Yep, you got it. <laughs> my in-laws. <laughs> There they are. Oh, hi, Mom and Dad. How are you? Uh, can you hang on just a moment while I clean something up? I'd not sh I guess I did keep them out on the porch. I had to because I had to run in, grab as many papers as I could and, and toss them all over top of all of this merchandise that was sitting on this table before I let them into the room. <laughs> I don't know if they ever suspected or not, but... I'd be curious to hear your stories of, of those kind of times. Now that we're into the legalization phase, I think we also have to remember where we came from. And we certainly hear Jody Emery talk about it a lot when she talks about how things were better before legalization. Um, and this is one of those aspects where I think we need to start bringing some of those stories up and remembering how it used to be and appreciating that even though there's still a lot of crap that's going on with legalization or prohibition 2.0, I still have to keep reminding myself and others that at least cannabis is legalized in Canada. At least I can have an ounce, 30 grams. And by the way, when did an ounce become 30 grams? All of our lives, we dealt with 28 grams. The government makes it legal. And now suddenly it's 30 grams. Where the heck did that come from? Screws up all of my math, frankly. <laughs> 
But regardless of that, even though there is still all this crap going on, I'm still happy as a Canadian that I can smoke cannabis legally and not have to worry about the stigma, even though as we've already talked, yes, there is still some of that stigma out there. We are still trying to line up a bunch of different interviews and having a little difficulty as the year gets started. People are are having other things, I guess, coming up into their lives. But we are lining up some interviews, as I mentioned, the Tricomo Institute. I'm going to connect with them again in the next week or two and see when we can get somebody from there on. I've also had some further communication with Dana Larson. He's such a busy guy. We're going to find a time to squeeze him into an opportunity here to have a discussion with us. I've also invited Jody Emery a couple of times. I haven't heard back from her. She's so busy. I understand that. And then we also have contacted the city of Summerland. We contacted them prior to Christmas. They're looking like they might have a legal store in the Okanagan, be one of the first, perhaps before Lake Country, after the Indigenous store, of course. They got back to me this week. We're hoping to line up still an interview with them. I did hear back from the city of Vernon. They don't want to have an interview. They just gave me some more details, and that's fine, too. So all of those things are being dealt with as we work towards the next episode of the Cannabis Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I'm still kind of giddy. I'm still kind of energetic. That Maui Wowie is still rolling through my brain. Thank you so much for being part of the Cannabis Podcast family. If you have any ideas for people you would like to hear us talk to or any of those things, please leave a comment at info at CannabisPodcast.com or you can contact us on Twitter at at CannabisPodcast. Thanks for joining us. We hope to see you next time on the next episode of the Cannabis Podcast. From the cannabis-infused studio, high above the Okanagan Valley, this was the Cannabis Podcast. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Tune into a major journey podcast today, where guests take listeners on journeys and immerse themselves in the roller coaster ride both in and out of the cannabis space that brought them to where they are today. Throughout our conversations, guests share valuable lessons that they've learned along the way that listeners can use to empower growth both in their personal and professional lives. Check out a major journey today on all major podcast platforms.